0: Alex Melaris
1: and I'm Taisei Fu.
0: Today's January 17th and as we've been long anticipating we've had two Habs games so far in this the the 2021 regular season and you know what they were both great games Montreal got one win and one overtime loss they could have had two not quite they played great in both games for the most part so why Taisei why am I upset about something in terms of of hockey this morning would you happen to know anything about this what might have frustrated me at i don't know about eleven fifty six a.m
1: huh i do have an idea i have a clue does it happen to uh does it happen to do with a certain fantasy rule that you're not very content yes. with and with and, and in a league in which i am the commissioner
0: yes it definitely does have to do with that because washington and pittsburgh are playing a noon game today which i guess has already started and i being a shrewd and competent fantasy team owner of, uh, of my own team, I logged on and I said, all right, time to put John Carlson and Brian Rust off my reserve and into my lineup before the game begins. But lo and behold, lo and behold, this law, the law of the land is at five minutes before the game and not actually as the game time happens is when the, the roster locks and I can't move Carlson and Rust into the lineup. So I just want to say... That I'm very disappointed, and it, it wasn't even like, oh, I'll just wait till the last minute. Like I woke up at like 11:45, and you know, got something to eat, went to the bathroom. Not in that order. I went to the bathroom and then got something to eat. But then by the time I was like, all right, maybe I'll I should do my team. I had been up for like only 11 minutes, which is a very short amount of time. So it's not like I just waited until the last minute. So I just want to say that I hope John Carlson and Brian Rust have bad games so that I don't feel too bad about myself
1: and uh, that I never make this mistake ever again. All right. He's airing his beef, his fantasy beef out here on his podcast. He's getting out all the negativity. Yeah, exactly. I would just like to point out that the shrewdest of fantasy owners would have read the rules. I'm just saying, the entirety of the rules. But hey, let's be honest now. Let's move to the fun stuff. That because uh, there's a, a whole lot of fun stuff this week because uh, hockey's back, and uh, yeah, I missed it. I didn't know, I didn't really realize how much I missed it. But damn, it is uh, a lot of fun, especially when the Habs are playing. And yeah, that's what the the Habs games were. Both of them very fun to watch, super entertaining. The Habs looked great. Uh, I, I know they lost that game against Toronto, but overall, I came out of both of those games with a very positive impression of the team. I'm thoroughly convinced that they'll make the playoffs, maybe run a round, maybe win the whole damn division, uh, because they're freaking rolling right now. They look fantastic. They look fast. They look activated. Price looks fantastic. Uh, it just looks like, really, with one notable exception, maybe two that I'll call out later, uh, it looks like everybody's kind of rolling. They're ready to play. And uh, I'm very happy with what I saw.
0: Yes, me too. Very happy with what I saw. And, you know, maybe, maybe, yeah, I could see, I could see like a top two finish in the division after, you know, of course we're overreacting to the first two games as everyone tends to do. But as you say, I feel like with this return to play, I guess we can call it like in, in the bubble back in August, that felt to me like more of a fever dream or like a window into an alternate dimension. Like it wasn't fully like yay hockey has returned in its normal form as well we're like what is this the five game series like six games in one day i have no idea what's going on it was just extremely chaotic now with you know it's a regular season even though it's shorter even though there are no fans in the stands even though there are these funky divisions uh and but they're like you know games at normal times going on at the same time it does feel like very normal you know like uh people are saying like you know yelling about regular season games feels kind of like we're we're back to our old selves so yeah. i guess the the season opener is probably where to begin uh between the two games in toronto against the maple leafs a very common season opening partner these two teams montreal and toronto josh anderson let's start with him why don't we josh anderson scored two goals and everyone on the broadcast was fawning over him. Josh Anderson, he's big, he's fast, and he scored twice. The, the 200 hockey men's dream. And I just want to say, Josh Anderson exceeded my expectations. I was very pleasantly surprised with how well he played. I think you can say the same. Uh, I'm still not a fan of that contract at all. I hope I don't have to use that qualifier every time I compliment Josh Anderson because I don't think he will be able to keep this up for seven years with the way he plays. But he's doing everything he can. He's doing everything he should. You know, it'd be super easy for players to, after you lock in to this this long, expensive deal, to kind of relax a little bit and maybe you're, you know, you don't play to your full potential. looks like Josh Anderson has done the opposite. He's proving that he can live up to it, which is a great sign.
1: Yeah, exceeded expectations is correct. Uh, and it wasn't just getting those goals in. Uh, he just looked like, uh, you know, looks like his hair's on fire. Uh, he's just playing really well both sides of the ice. And yeah, he's, he's all over the puck, man. He's got all sorts of offensive chances. It wasn't just a, a couple of, you know, empty net goals or whatever. Or not. Those are uh, well-deserved opportunities that he got. And yeah, obviously, that for the, for the next seven years, his horrendous contract will loom over everything he does. Unless, you know, he does something really spectacular. but the, And what he's done so far is a very small sample size. But, you know, that's not his fault, right? Uh, Bergevin offered him the money. Uh, he'd be wrong to deny it uh, and to say to ask for less. Uh, and, you know, he's doing his job. He's doing his job. He sure looks better than, uh, well, he's already exceeded his do- goal total from last year, right? Uh, Double that's that. a good thing. So, you know, look, I'm not, like, the trade, questionable trade. But you know, maybe maybe we did undervalue him. Uh, maybe he's better than we thought. But uh, you know, so like getting the player wasn't the problem. The contract is the real fucking problem. And you know, Anderson can't really do much about that. He's going out there and uh, pleasantly surprised with the results that we've seen so far.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's fair to say that I. Well, first of all, I didn't realize Josh Anderson was this fast, and it seems like nobody did. I don't know if. Maybe that's some, if he's always been this fast or if that's like a specific thing he worked on. Maybe he worked with a skating coach or something because he was probably just behind Paul Byron, I think, because the fastest player on the team. I think, who was it? Someone in maybe Philip Dano or Jeff Petrie, one of the guys who's been around the Canadians for a while, said that Josh Henderson was right up there with Paul Byron in terms of speed, which I didn't know. Uh, looking at it now, after these two games, if Josh Henderson can uh, stay close to the level of play that he was at, I think Anderson for Dominguez third is fair value. I think it's fair value. Uh, I'll say I'll say the same thing we said about a couple other trades in the past. That uh, that one of the things, one of the reasons I think Bergevin was targeting Josh Anderson, besides just that he's the style of player that he loves, is because Josh Anderson was coming off a really a really bad injury. He was coming off a down year in terms of production as well. He was buying low, but probably the lowest value Josh Anderson's ever been at. And yet we make the deal. And it doesn't look like he's buying low. It looks like he's he's ponying up the, the fair value or something. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of when Montreal traded Patch ready to Vegas. And Patch Reddy's value had kind of been hammered into the ground by how much it was known that Bergman was trying to get rid of him before training camp started. And then Vegas steps up and pays uh, what's perceived as fair value at the time. And we now we see Montreal probably won that deal quite decisively, Suzuki, Tatar, in the second round pick. So it kind of reminds me of that in terms of how you're giving up more than you need to for a player whose value should be low, even though it might end up looking okay afterward, maybe it's not a perfect analogy because Montreal kind of did end up winning the patch already
1: trade, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. The tra- what you're saying is the trade doesn't look so bad anymore, right? Because, you know, maybe the value wasn't as off as was initially perceived just because Anderson's value was so low. And now that he's fully healthy, it seems that, uh, We've seen a real jump in his quality of play. And, and for also, Domi, yeah.
0: And also that I feel I still feel like Mark Bergerman could have given up less for Josh Anderson at the time because his value was lower
1: than what we're seeing now in terms of how well he's playing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because he did score just one goal in 26 games, right? Uh, yeah. And that's why we kind of reacted the way we did. We thought we he, we could have had him for less. Uh, you know, that's why that third round pick stunk so much, right? Because we thought, you know. Because it seemed like Domi was the better player. Because the guy, uh, you know, had a seventy-point season and he had a fifty-point season, and then he was kind of unhappy. So, uh, but he doesn't look to be doing so well, doing so hot. I know it's, you know, at this point in the season, it's very, very early, but like I think when he get benched for like the last bit of the last chunk of the third period, and uh, yeah, and uh, that didn't look so good for him. And Tortorella gave some washy answer, yeah.
0: Meanwhile, Alex Galchenyuk is getting healthy scratch in Ottawa for the first two games, so I think you know Galchenyuk to Domi to Josh Anderson. So far, seems like kind of a steady climb upward. Uh, I know they give the third rounder, but but it's not too bad. Not too bad.
1: Pretty surprising, I would say. Uh, And I mean, he looks like what is even what is the what's the Habs' worst line anymore? Like, which one is it? Uh, Because they got to
0: to Tarandel Gallagher. I think is I think is still the. the de facto first line, I guess that's the right word to use, and okay. then the Anderson Suzuki with Drew Rand would be number two.
1: Yeah, because that's second line. Well, I guess that's what we'll call it—the second line. I mean, it's absolutely buzzing. Uh, they're they're gelling right off the bat. I mean, Nick Suzuki, we talked about—he was like the lone bright spot the entire regular season last year. Remember? Uh, <laughs> but it just seems like he's taking another step forward. You know, I'll, I'll say this about the, the playoff bubble, uh, that you talked about. And you you talked about how. It didn't. It kind of seemed seemed like a fever dream. Well, I felt like the Habs' success in that playoff bubble didn't really feel real, you know, because it was it was like only like five games, uh, and that too felt like a fever dream. And so, you know, I, I understand the 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 optimism was at a high, but you know, even even seeing these last two games, I've kind of been taken aback because the Habs really do look like a good team, which. We haven't, like, we did, we suffered through basically an entire regular season last year where they're freaking awful. Uh, and, like, comparing the two teams, it feels like it feels different, man. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think this second line has a lot to do with it because last year, you know, to try to know Gallagher, they were, like, really the only line that was dependable all season, right? And yeah, now that we're coming into this season, it really seems like the forward depth is really rolling. Uh, and it's not just the Suzuki Anderson drawing line, which. I mean, I think it's been absolutely spectacular. Uh, Jouet, he's not the focus of his line at all anymore, so he can just, like, do whatever the hell he wants, and he looks great. He's got a bunch of points already, a bunch of assists. And, yeah, we've talked about Anderson. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it doesn't feel like the Habs are depending nearly as much on Tatar Dano, and Gallagher, and that's why I was asking, which is the first line anymore? It's like the line is kind of blurred. And, you know, if the Habs are going to make it deep, they're going to have to rely on their forward depth. And even, even like, Evans, Leckon, and Byron uh, as a fourth line, I thought it looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, And, you know, they brought the speed, they brought the energy in both of the games. And it really does feel like a different team. Like, I think the depth in the forward core is just three levels up compared to what we saw last season. Yeah,
0: I saw, I don't remember where it was from. I probably should have taken note of this. Uh, Somebody do some sort of uh, algorithm, not algorithm, some kind of metric to like rank the projected wins above replacement for all the opening day lines for all the teams and compared to the all the fourth lines in the entire nhl montreal's was at the top byron evans Lekkinen, and i can kind of see why because byron and Lekkinen have been third liners for pretty much their whole tenures in montreal with you know even paul byron even has to like you know play on the second line in a pinch so all of a sudden you know you acquire these wingers you acquire josh anderson and tyler Toffoli in the offseason and byron and Lekkinen are now among the best fourth line wingers in the NHL. Jake Evans looks great. I think like on on some teams, he could probably be a, a third line center, even on Montreal. Like if one of the top three centers inevitably gets injured, I don't have a problem at all with Jake Evans stepping into the third line for a couple games. He looked great on the penalty kill as well. Of course, he got that shorthanded goal against the Oilers yesterday. Uh, he doesn't look out of place at all. Not bad for a, a seventh round pick. It's great to to hit on those, those late rounders. That's probably like a scout's dream. You know, you draft Jake Evans, seventh round, 2014, takes about five, six years, and he finally, you know, makes it to the show. It looks great.
1: Yeah. They really picked this guy out of, like, absolutely thin air, right? Like, I had never heard of this guy prior to, like, midway last season. And all of a sudden, he's like a stud fourth liner who could definitely pass off as a third liner. Uh, and a center, no less. So I think it's a great find. Uh, solid player development there and i mean that's what good teams do right you find guys out of nowhere and then they're cheap as hell and then that's how you fill your bottom six and your bottom four uh and that's what vancouver has completely botched and that's why they're in a complete they're in salary cap hell as we've talked about often but uh this is what good teams do man like this third this fourth line i know byron's kind of expensive but well, they're pretty cheap no one's really being overpaid uh like maybe byron's on the edge there but uh it's just uh, it's it's a very well constructed forward core because it's uh it's very young it's very fast and uh, you know for the, the young guys are cheap and that's how that's how filled filled out his roster and it's good it looks good moving on to the defense uh there's a there's a couple newcomers that we can talk about I would say one of them has done fantastic the other one is to look like hot garbage uh, I'll start with the good news Alex Rom- Alexander Romanov who has been much hyped entering the season. Uh, the wish was he would be able to join the Habs in the bubble, but alas, the NHL did not allow it, uh, because, uh, yeah, he was the talk of the town. He's been the talk of the town for like five, six months now, uh, as the next guy. And he, from day one, from day one, game one, from the get-go, looks like he belongs as an NHL defenseman. He's had some play, play power play time and he's looked fantastic there too. He's looked confident, uh, and he had that fantastic pass. I think it was to, was it to Tatar. Uh, on yeah. his on, the, on his goal in the first game, uh, you know, crossed two blue lines and terrible line change from the Leafs there, and, but uh, still a great pass, lots of confidence, and yeah, Romanov looks the part right now of that blue chip prospect that we were talking about going in, and yeah, you gotta think this guy's gonna end up taking a top four spot very soon uh, this season.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. I, I I, feel like they'll probably, you know, shelter him a little bit more for the time being, you know, because there's probably still a bit more getting used to. Probably, they'll probably keep him on the bottom pair with Brett Kulak for a while. I mean, he has looked great there. What, what really is very encouraging, I think, for Romanov, which, like, there's no way to know if this is going to happen before it actually happens. It, do you remember in, in Miro Haskinen's debut, uh, when he got out for his first shift, And he had this great end-to-end rush and held on to the puck for like 30 seconds and then ended up generating a great scoring chance. Do you remember that? I don't know if you would. But anyway, obviously, Romanov didn't do anything quite that remarkable. I don't think he's going to be as good as Miro Haskinen. But the fact that he showed the confidence and the poise in his first game in the first period to hold on to the puck to make passes that are maybe a little bit risky, you know, up the middle of the ice. To make smart plays on the power play instead of doing, you know, the the whatever having this like safe mindset of like you know, dumping it in along the boards or whatever, uh, is very encouraging. And I think the fact he, and he did make those he succeeded at those plays. He had a great stretch pass to Thomas Tatar. I was like, what a pass! Amazing. He's gonna win the Norris Trophy. He's gonna win the Calder Trophy. So I I honestly think like um Shay Weber, Jeff Petrie, you know, uh they're both in their thirties now. Uh, Petri. I think he's gonna probably maintain the, his uh his level for at least another couple of years. Shea Weber. The decline has probably already started. I think Romanov is more than capable to cut, to make that transition. I guess much smoother and much easier. And I actually I do think there's gonna be a window where they're both where all three of them like Romanov, Weber, and Petrie are still kind of at the top of their game. And I think it's gonna Happen pretty soon. So maybe like a little bit of some kind of window opening. I don't know if people don't like using the term window, but, but that's how I feel.
1: Yeah. it's uh And Shea Weber, man. I mean, I don't know. It, it seems like he's taking uh, some penalties. I think, you know, like in the early on in the season, uh, I think how many penalties have he had? Is it one? You might I overreacting? It's just one penalty. Uh, maybe it was two. But uh yeah, the decline is coming there. He's not playing, uh, he's not going to be playing in the future like top tier defensive hockey for the, the remainder of his contract. So a cheap guy, uh, you know, contract-wise, for like Romanov to take over the role in the top four. Uh, I sure like that. And I mean, the other guy who uh, still, who currently is playing in the top four, noted newcomer, who I've been bashing. We had a quiz basically bashing him the entire time. Uh, Joel Edmondson has looked terrible. And, you know, on a team, That has looked fantastic. Basically, everybody around him has looked great. This guy sticks out like a sore thumb. And this is kind of what we expected. It's, you know, like going into the season, we thought that this guy would be slow. His only trade is he stands in front of the net and he's big in the defensive zone. And that's basically all he's done. And he's not even that good in front of his own net. Uh, Like the puck comes in and it looks like he's like whiffing on thin air. uh, And, you know, it looks like, like especially in the Leafs game, it felt like all the like every time there was a highlight for the Leafs in front of the net there was like a scramble. It's just it's Joel Edmondson there. Uh, because he's completely incapable of doing anything productive with his uh with his stick. And he looks terrible, man. Uh this is exactly what we expected. their 2.0, I would say. And four more years of this. I don't wanna see it. This guy doesn't belong in any sort of top four. And it's only a matter of time. Before this guy becomes a penalty machine, like he has on two separate teams in the last two years, leading both of those teams in penalty minutes, so you know it's not encouraging. I'm not. There's obviously lots of time to turn it around, but to say I am not optimistic, I would say is quite a gross understatement.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, as you say, yeah, everyone looks great except Joel Edmondson, and it's not Joel Edmondson's Edmondson's fault. He's really this is as good as he is. He's doing his best. He's doing his best and they put him in the top four. And you know it's really, I think a really bad sign is that every time the puck goes to him, I get nervous. Even in the offensive zone, uh, him and Petrie were like playing a little, you know, pass back and forth along the points at one point. I kept getting nervous that Joel Edmondson looked like he was going to flub a pass and it looked like he was nervous too. He looked like he had to put a lot of, I don't know, focus and energy into making a tape to tape pass along the blue line to Jack Petrie puck skills. are not Joel Edmondson's strength. And Claude Julien said that, like um, after the first game, it was it was acknowledged that Joel Edmondson didn't look exactly spectacular, and Claude Julian said, "Well, yeah, uh, Ben Sherat last year had to t- had to take a couple weeks to get used to the new team, get used to the new system, and then he was great. And you know, um, not not every player is the same as every other player. All right, Ben Sherat like he, I know we weren't so so high on that signing when it happened either, the Ben Sherat one." But he showed some promise at the beginning of the season. You know, I think he like scored a couple. He did contribute offensively. He tends to score goals every now and then, which is nice. I just don't think Joel Edmondson has that skill set at all to score to score goals on purpose. Uh, of course, you know sometimes players will get one or two as a you know just because it happens from time to time. But Joel Edmondson is going to contribute nothing offensively. I don't see that happening. Um, if I were in charge of the lineup, I'd put Victor Matayon over him in a heartbeat. I'd put. I'd probably, you know what I would do? Maybe I'd wait a little longer, but I'd want to put Romanov next to Shea Weber. I'd have, I don't know, I guess Kulak and Petrie and then give me Sherat and Mate on the bottom pair. There, That's how I construct the the Habs defense at the moment. Unfortunately, as I kind of said last week, I don't see Joel Edmondson coming out of the lineup throughout the whole season unless he gets injured. I do think next season though, similar to what we saw with Alzner is when he maybe starts coming out of the lineup every now and then, uh, because I do think Bergevin... And Julian, if they saw with Olsner, if they made that big commitment, and just one year later, they were like, yeah, we kind of made a mistake. I guess we kind of have to take him out of the lineup now if we want to win. I think they will recognize the same thing with Joel Edmonton. And hopefully that's the last time they make one of those kinds of signings at all. And they, they would recognize the mistake before they make it.
1: Yeah, it really feels like we're seeing the same thing over again with Alzner. Like everybody was screaming like bloody murder as soon as that signing happened. And all through that offseason uh, and shows up on game one and he looks terrible. And same thing for Edmondson here. Looked terrible in game two and I fully expect it for the rest of the season. Now, look, I... You know what? I'm optimistic. Given how good this team is and how badly Edmondson sticks out, I don't think he's lasting the season, man. I think he's coming out within, within a month. Uh, I don't think he makes it to March uh, because... Especially if the team keeps it up. Because, you know, if you clearly have an anchor... Like, come on, you're not going to, like, yeah, yeah, Julia thinks there's an adjustment period, and sure, I'll give him that. But once you get to, like, two months, three months into the season, like, the adjustment period, it's over. And I don't even think it's a matter of adjustment period with Edmonton. I think it's just bad. Uh, and as you said, it's not his fault, man. This is who he is. We knew it. He knew it. And someone offered him a fat chunk of change, and, who, he, you know, it's not on him to, to say no. Uh, and look, Mergevin completely whipped on this one. And and I'm saying that second game he played for the Habs. I just I hate this contract with all my heart, uh, with all my being. Because man, you know, in a in a league where the cap space is so precious, Jesus Christ, spending three and a half million dollars on this guy for four years is in a complete atrocity. Okay. Yeah, I right. know.
0: It's yeah. an interesting point. I feel like maybe one thing that could lead to Edmonton maybe not coming out of the lineup permanently, but at least kind of. uh, rotating out is that you have Victor Mate sitting in the press box, who's been a regular for the past couple of years, and I'm sure they want to get him into some action at some point. I think maybe the plan was to, if Romanov looks shaky, maybe rotate out with Romanov. I don't think that's going to happen now, considering how great Romanov has been for the first little while. I, If I had to guess, I think it'll be Kulak. I think they'll make the mistake of saying, yeah, Brett Kulak and Victor Mate, because they seem to scratch him every now and then, even though he's very good. But, you know, as you say, I think if you have these seven defensemen who, from the organization's opinion, all deserve to be in the lineup, then maybe that makes way for Edmondson not playing every single game. Maybe he'll come out every once in a while, not because he's fallen out of favor, but but just because they'll get a rotation and to get Victor Matei into the lineup a little bit. So if we're talking about him actually, be, if the organization actually being like, yeah, maybe Joe Edmondson is better off not in our lineup every night, I think that only happens next season. But I do think maybe we'll see him scratched a little bit down the line to get Mate in.
1: Alright, I sure hope so. And I wanna point out that that's one thing that I really like about this team. Uh just really in all three uh, you know, parts of the team this season, like there are guys waiting in the wings, whether it's for injury or just for rest. Like you can rotate like the depth guys. Uh really in all three fronts. And whether it's the defense, as you said, with Matei. Uh, And you even have Kale Fleury in the minors, if you want, who's also had some NHL experience. And you have the goalie, obviously. We have Jake Allen. So Price will get a bunch of rest. And, you know, just in the forwards, I talked about the depth. I think that eases the burden big time on, like, Totar and Gallagher. But also, you know, Corey Perry, who we talked about last week, cleared waivers. Uh, So, you know, you can bring him up, play him from the taxi squad. Uh, And you have Michael Froelich, too, uh, who's a solid depth piece. And... You know, I talked about depth in the four core. I think that's the strength of this team is just depth throughout the roster and, you know, the ability, the ability, if they want to, to rotate these guys and give them some rest. And I think that's going to be very important in this shortened season. You know, the schedule's pretty compact. And then uh, I think, I think it's a very good thing. And that's another reason why I'm very optimistic, because I think this team can survive injuries. Uh, maybe not as many as they had last year, because last year was a real shit show. They got really unlucky. But uh, it, they can definitely take some injuries, uh, as unfortunate as that would be. And just if, they're, if they're still healthy, they, they stay healthy, they have guys to rotate in, night in, night out, who are very competent, who are all NHLers. And yeah, I think that's definitely a strength. I think you look at other teams in this division, uh, they don't have such a privilege. Uh, and I think that's why the, the Habs are very well positioned. I'll, I'll say about this North division, holy crap, is it benefiting the Habs. Because, you know, all these teams are either like about on par uh, with like the Habs or even I think now that the Habs look like they've taken a step, I think the ha- like a lot of these teams like Vancouver, like maybe like we haven't seen, you know, them play Calgary yet, but even Edmonton, they look dominant in that second game. And even the Leafs, they look about on par. Like the Leafs are looking pretty bad right now. Uh, and maybe that's just like a beginning of the season thing, but they don't look too good. And Yeah. This North Division, they don't have to play like the Tampa Bay's, the Carolinas, the the Boston's. They avoid all that, and you know you get you get some you know some fucking easy matchups against Ottawa potentially. Uh, and it's just this North Division is doing the Habs some wonders, I must say.
0: Yeah, people were talking about uh, Toronto as the team that maybe benefited the most from this new realignment. You know, not having to play Boston or Tampa in the playoffs. I think that still kind of stands true. But also, on the other hand, people said this about the Leafs, was that if they can't get it done now, not as in, like, maybe win a Stanley Cup, but at least, like, win one round, then maybe there's something really wrong because this the path will never be easier for them ever again to win at least a round and and probably two, hopefully two for them. And I, I, I suppose that applies to Montreal as well because they're in the same division. And one thing, okay, I was going to say... I don't want to dwell too much on like the future as I, I notice I tend to do, but like there's probably at least one team in the Canadian division that's going to maybe, you know, have some level of success. And then next year when they go back to their tougher division, it's all going to fall apart and they're going to wonder why. And the answer will be that the Canadian division uh didn't have such stiff competition. uh But that that's just kind of food for thought, I guess. um Before we move on from the Habs and talking about specific players, there's one, one more player I want to mention. Yeah, I think the other, the only other newcomer we haven't touched on, Tyler Toffoli, third line, left wing. I think he's looked good. Uh, he's made some smart plays. Uh, he's generated some, some scoring chances. Uh, he hasn't scored a goal yet. I don't know if he has a point, but I think he's looked pretty good. He's come about as advertised, but I don't think personally that he's being put in the position to succeed and I don't even just mean, like, give put him in the top six or, you know, next to Suzuki, even though I think that would be pretty sweet. Uh, I mean the right wing. He's played the right wing almost exclusively for his whole career with LA and Vancouver. And now in Montreal, they're putting putting him uh, on the left. And I don't understand why, really. There's no need for it. You have Lekkonen playing the right wing on the fourth line when he could... Uh, play the left. He usually does play the left, actually, even though he can play both. So what I would do is move maybe Byron up to the left wing on the third line, move Toffoli over to the right, then you just move Armia down to the fourth line. So you would have Byron, Kotkaniemi, Toffoli on the third line, and then Lekin and Evans, Armia. Because I feel like, obviously, well, Toffoli's a right shot, sometimes players will play on their right wing naturally. You know, like, I don't know, Ovechkin, for example. Toffoli, I... I saw a little bit along the, uh, like the left wing boards in the offensive zone. I don't know if I'm just like, like projecting like what I expect to happen, but it seems like he looks a little confused or like maybe like a split second behind in terms of decision-making, which makes sense. Like that's, it's a big change for a player to blow from playing the right wing to the left wing, just, you know, being on the other side of the right with your handedness, it makes a big difference. Like, um, Kevin BX was talking in the leaf sends game on an intermission yesterday about this like set play off the penalty kill that the Leafs do that works really well when the faceoff is on the right side of the defensive zone, because Marner is a right shot and he goes over to the other side of the ice and like Justin Hall passes it to him and he clears the puck, but it doesn't work well uh, when the faceoff is on the other side of the ice because then Marner like receives the puck on his backhand and has to take an extra two seconds to pivot. So if that's something to Foley's not as used to playing on the left side, then, you know, maybe put him on the right, maybe see if he plays a little bit better.
1: Yeah. It's a bit of a head scratcher and, you know, the job of the coach, Put your players in a position to succeed, and you know, on a different wing than what he's seen all his career. Definitely uh, a bit of a weird decision. Uh, and if DeFoli continues to, you know, he's been good, as you said. But if he doesn't, if he like, you know, he's not been playing at his level as he was in Vancouver uh, or even in LA. Uh, so you know, if he if he's kind of ho hum uh, for the next little while, I would expect Julien to make an adjustment with that bottom six uh, and. Yeah, Tyler Foley on the bottom six of And then, like, you know, it's not even a down, you know what I mean? Like, it's, he's there, and it's just, like, it's pretty wild uh, in terms of depth. One last player I want to shout out, uh, 10.5 million dude, Carey Price. You know, show him some love, because especially in that game last night against Edmonton, he looked great. He looked spectacular. Uh, You know, well-rested Carey Price. That's what I'm looking forward to all season. Uh, We haven't seen any Jake Allen yet, but I'm, uh, that's what I'm hoping for. You know? Because this, is, this this does look like a playoff team. So you want to save some gas for Carey Price. So that he can really play as well as he did in the bubble. Uh, and yeah, I expect Allen to play a bunch of games this season. And I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it because the team in front of Allen, when they do play him, is going to be fantastic. And I think they'll be able to hold up because Allen's a very good backup goalie. And yeah, I'm looking forward to a rest of Price deep into the season. Which we haven't seen in a while, because uh rest the price, man. Looks looks the part. Yep. Yeah, uh by the time we record next
0: week, I think we're going we're going to have at least one Jake Allen game to talk about. Uh because they play tomorrow night in Edmonton again, Wednesday and Thursday a back to back uh in Vancouver. So Jake Allen will, I assume, get one of those Vancouver games. Um but throughout the whole season, I think Montreal has, like, nine back-to-backs. Jake Allen will play more than just the back-to-backs. And people are going to freak out when he plays on a game that's not a back-to-back. Like, oh, it's Price injured, or... Uh, I, was, I don't know. They'll say they'll say things. Uh, but, um... I think I saw... Because Coach Julian said something about how the breakdown for an 82-game season would be, like, 55 for Price and the rest for Allen. I think that lines up to about, like, 36 for Price and 20 for Allen or something like that. Maybe a little bit less than 20 for Allen. So... Like, only about half of Jake Allen's games will probably be on back-to-back. So we're going to see a fair share of him, which I like, which we have been calling for a lot throughout last season, of Price playing way too much. It looks like they've realized it's a problem, and they've addressed it. We talked about that when they made the Jake Allen trade, too. Still holds up. Very excited to see him in action. You know, I, th- I feel like I- I'm glad that you bring up Carey Price often, shout him out after games and stuff. Because we should really appreciate him while he's here, you know. Like I look at you look around the league, look at Toronto, Frederick Anderson has a bad game, everyone's freaking out. He's in a contract year. Is Jack should Jack Campbell be the starter? All around Edmonton, Vancouver, uh all these teams, so many teams, probably I'd say about a third of the league has some kind of of inconsistency or uncertainty about their goaltending situation at any given point. Montreal with Kerry Price, very nice to just you know, have that, uh, I guess I'll call it a safety net. I guess I'll call it a safety net. Why don't I? So clever. Uh, to have him there and, you know, for like basically 10 years straight at this point and probably for at least a couple more years after this. So we should all be very grateful for Carey Price.
1: Yep, especially the, the rejuvenated version uh, who we saw in the bubble. Hey, it's looking great. And yeah, play Jake Allen, man. You're paying like four, almost $4.5 million. What the hell are you doing if you're not playing him a whole bunch, right? uh it's one of the more they expensive will. boys in the league so just like uh let's go he's being paid to play
0: mm-hmm. they will they will uh so you know another thought about this canadian division you know i i'm if i could reevaluate my predictions for the standings i think i would i won't but if i could then i would and not just because i would want to move montreal up a touch but i'm not convinced the oilers are going to make the playoffs Uh, it's not just because, you know, Mike Smith is injured because he wasn't exactly what was holding them afloat in the first place. Uh, It's because their team defense, as we saw yesterday against Montreal, is awful. And it was pretty bad before. Now without Oscar Kleffbaum for the whole year, it's even worse. And I think that's the type of thing where, like, you can maybe get away with in a normal regular season when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl scoring as much as they do. But when you play these teams nine and ten times, it gets easier and easier for your opponents, I think, to pick your defense apart and kind of, you know, dominate you a little bit more and not give McDavid and Dreisaitl a chance in the offensive zone. So obviously, this is just one game going off of against Montreal, but they looked pretty stinky in their own end. Uh, as Tyson Berry, I guess, as well, wasn't exactly didn't exactly, you know. Um, of fit their fit their need, you know, being not so great in his own end himself. So I don't see the Oilers really finishing the top two in the division, like I said, they would. They could definitely still squeak in, you know. As we say, it's pretty wide open in the Canadian division, but I'm not too confident in the Oilers.
1: No, me neither. I mean, look, aside from those top two lines, and those top two lines are only good because of McDavid and Drysaddle. Or team fucking sucks, man. Like they're forward depth, like third and fourth line, bottom six. Look terrible, man. They were looking visible against the Habs, uh, and they were completely dominated by all four lines. You know, Uh, it's just there were stretches where McDavid and Drysaddle just weren't on the ice because you know they were resting, and it looked like the Habs were just walking, setting up camp, like rotating in fresh guys in and out, and just pressuring them like for long, long stretches of the game, uh, just from really from the get go. And that's that's a part team defense thing, that's a team depth thing, and man, you lose. Mike Smith, like, look, that guy sucks, and we've talked about it. Uh, He's just, he's not a very good goalie anymore. He's not a good goalie at all anymore. Uh, He's just, you know, he's washed. And, but he was a backup, at least. Not a very good backup. But now, who do they have? Uh, Some dude named Stuart Skinner, apparently, uh, who I've never heard of. And, you know, it's going to be all on Mikko Koskinen now. I presume they're going to claim Arundel, who was on waivers, who the Leafs put on waivers uh very convenient right uh no quarantine necessary because he's staying in Canada if the Oilers claim him and even then though like you know Aaron is an all right backup goalie there's just there's not there's really nothing there's no nowhere to put your faith in in this team aside from McDavid and Drysaddle, and that's a problem because that's like half the game where they're not when neither of them are on the ice or something you know uh and that's where teams i think like the Habs and probably the Leafs eventually uh will take advantage of them because mm-hmm. parts of this team are just bad. They're just straight up bad, hardly NHL caliber. And it's apparent, man. And yeah, you said it. When you start playing these teams over and over, night in, night out, they're going to figure you out. They're going to pick apart your weak points. They're going to eventually figure out, not to stop, but you know, at least slow down to some degree, the top two weapons, uh, given that you see them so often. And once they do, who's going to pick up the slack? There's nobody on this team. Uh, Kyle so, yeah, Yeah, exactly. Kyle Turris. Uh, like, like it's really, that's like the only, like, like Devin Shore, <laughs> Alex. Archibald? It's just, man, uh, Tyler Ennis. Yeah. He's the guy. No, it's just, uh, like, isn't Josh Archibald, like is he playing on the first line right now. Like, yeah, well, well, they
0: said on the broadcast, Zach Cassian had been, uh, but his child was being born yesterday. So Josh Archibald Archibald took his spot and that's funnily enough, not his first time playing with Connor McDavid. I don't know why. Uh, the coach of that team who, for whatever reason, I can't remember who it is right now, but loves to put the worst right winger possible on the line with Nugent Hopkins and McDavid, instead of putting Jesse polyarvi there, who I think would be a great fit, but whatever you do, you Edmonton, you do you, I, I, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, with Koskinen, he wasn't very good yesterday, but even if Mike, Mike Smith were healthy, Koskinen would be playing a bunch and Mike Smith probably only would have gotten into action on those back-to-backs anyway, which is not the ideal scenario for a goaltending tandem. Now, with Stuart Skinner there, who's 21 years old, and uh, last year in his professional debut was like an 880 in the American Hockey League or something like that, I trust even less than Mike Smith. So if Skinner is their, their only option by the time they get their first back-to-back in about a week, I think they might just stick Koskinen in, in both games. But, as you say, I don't think that's going to happen. They did claim Troy Grosnick off waivers from the LA Kings uh, yesterday or the day before. And he's quarantining now, coming in from the U.S. And I think they said he is expected to be ready to play in time for that back-to-back. But now, as you said, the Leafs have placed Dell on waivers. Uh, seems like pretty poor timing, to be totally honest. I'm pretty sure Dell is going to be swooped up uh, the Oilers, I would have my eye on him for sure, not only because I don't think he would have to quarantine as long as Grosnick and he could probably get into action a little sooner and get practicing with the team a little sooner, but also because he's better and he's played more NHL games than Grosnick has. Uh, so honestly, you compare the two goalies, even without the quarantine thing, I prefer Aaron Dell. Um, but you know, it might not even be the Oilers, like the Ottawa Senators might just pick up Dell just to piss off the Leafs, seems like something they would do. Uh, you know, Marcus Hogberg is their backup now. Maybe a little bit of, uh, of insulation for the, the unproven unproven thing there. I think a lot of teams, uh, maybe the Devils, I don't know. There's still, you know, that shaky thing like Wedgwood and Comrie kind of, you know, uh, splitting the backup roles. Maybe it would be nice to get Aaron Dell in there. A lot of teams, I think, might be looking at him. So I'd be very surprised if Aaron Dell cleared.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good thing for us, right? Leaves lose some yeah. players. We also saw Jason Spezza's on waivers. Which yeah, what's up with that? I don't know, man. What well, I didn't, this came out of nowhere. Um, like he was playing pretty regular. He's playing regular minutes, right? Um, I mean, I saw him against he was the fourth
0: on center.
1: Yeah, I just and this is a, a strange one, kind of out of nowhere. Maybe he's unhappy. I don't know what's the deal. But uh, this dude's on waivers, and is yeah, do we expect him to get claimed? I don't know. I think some teams can find a spot I
0: expected yeah. Perry to get claimed. Um and he didn't, and I think Spetz is probably at about the same level, so so I don't think so. I I I'm kind of It's weird though. Like if I, a lot of teams are in the NHL, I think should take a look at Jason Spezza. Like uh you know we just talked about how terrible the Oilers bottom six is. I feel like Jason Spezza could be a nice addition there. Um, here's a tweet from Chris Johnson about an hour ago says the biggest question with Jason Spezza on waivers is if he'd even report to another NHL team putting in a claim, he's been pretty adamant about wanting to finish his career in Toronto. So that's another interesting thing. If teams all around the league know that, like, um, they know that Spezza is not going to come there anyway, they might just not bother putting in a claim in, and maybe the Leafs are counting on that, uh, will help Spezza clear. Uh, interesting. I don't know. Maybe they've asked Spetsa, like, hey, would you report to any other team? And he's been like, no, I simply wouldn't. And to leave, so like, all right, so we can put you on waivers without fear of losing you. I guess. Uh, I, I I guess other teams would have to know about that. But like, yeah, everyone seems pretty confused about this. A lot of teams, I think, should have an eye on Spetsa. Um, maybe Ottawa. No, probably not Ottawa. They have plenty of fourth liners. They don't need another one. Uh, but, but yeah. Um, yeah, basically. I'm um, trying to think. Montreal, uh, nah, there, there's not really a fit there, I don't think. Especially with Jake Evans playing so well as a fourth line, but, but yeah, weird and unexpected. And I'm not really sure what Toronto is thinking here. Why they had to do this? Because he had been the fourth line center there, trying to with like Pierre Engvall going to step in there to replace him. I guess because obviously the Leafs are so tight to the cap. If you want to get Engvall into some games. Uh, you need to put someone on on waivers, and I guess Spetsa kind of makes the most sense. You don't want to waive someone like uh, I don't know. You could have waved Zach Bogosian. Come on, he's not that good, but whatever.
1: Yeah, the Leafs the Leafs have been off to a shaky start. Um, you know, the Habs really they were the better team against the Leafs. Uh, the, the thing that cost them that game was their lack of discipline. There was that little stretch, or was it like mm-hmm. three minutes, four minutes, where they took a penalty. Right, it was uh. I think it was Sherrod on Simmons. Uh, and then, you know, the Leafs scored on that power play. And then they took two consecutive penalties. Lee scored on that five on three, as you would expect from the Leafs. And just like that, it went from 3-1 to 3-3. And then it was really anybody's game. It felt like the Habs were in complete control before that. So, you know, the Leafs, like, they lost to the Senators in their second game. So right now, they they could have easily started the, their season 0-2. Against the Habs and the Sens, and then they won last night against the Sens, and they're back to back. But it didn't look completely convincing either. You know, Stus had a very nice goal, first one of his career. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, they you'd expect Toronto versus Ottawa. I understand it's a rivalry and it can get weird there. But you'd expect Toronto to just completely dominate a team like Ottawa. Uh, but you know, it didn't happen. And Anderson, I think we mentioned him earlier, uh, has been very shaky. It was Campbell who got the win yesterday, and you know. Leafs Twitter is always wild. So, yeah, as you said earlier, this guy's on a contract year. Uh, and, you know, first first month of the season is always pretty bad for this guy. And, you know, that trend is kind of continuing right now. Soft goals left and right. And just uh, not very good. And, yeah, you, you talk about Zach Bogosian. That guy's a complete fucking turnstile. Um, and he took a bat penalty against the Habs. So, you know, he, he brings that Stanley Cup playoff pedigree. But he's just bad now. He's washed. You got a no trade clause too. I just checked it up on the Cap That's kind of funny. Uh, and mm-hmm. yeah, just a bunch of weird shit like Joe, Joe Thornton on the first line with Martyr and Matthews, uh, and that line hasn't exactly been clicking. It's just uh, it seems like not first, everything.
0: They scored all three goals yesterday. It was pretty nice,
1: but before oh, okay. that, it was, it was yeah, there wasn't yeah. much going for them. Just uh, it just seems like something's off. You know, like they're not completely gelling yet, and that's weird. That's a bit weird for a team that's. Uh, you know, supposed to be contending for a cup this year. Apparently this year they're taking another step. That's the plan, right? So, uh, you know, just... Uh, and I love to see it. I'm happy about it. And we love a little chaos in Leaf Town. It's, it's, I think it's hilarious because uh, they don't look quite right, to be totally honest.
0: Mm-hmm. I think sometime this week, I would expect Miko Lettinen is finally going to get into a game. I don't know why he was ever scratched in favor of Zach Bogosian, but Miko lettinen's going to get into a game. I think he's going to surprise people with how great he is and I don't think he's ever going to come out of the lineup again uh for, for Toronto this year unless he gets injured he was, was like KHL defenseman of the year he led KHL defenseman in scoring by a long shot and I know uh KHL numbers like sometimes don't translate but even like the Leafs intra-squad scrimmage he looked fantastic he he looked great I think he played some on the power play he got a couple points um I see him stepping into the Leafs lineup. Uh, maybe on the right side, you know, maybe they'll put him with Dermot. Maybe they'll put him with Muzzin. I think that could potentially be a great pair of Muzzin and Lettinen. But, uh, but yeah, I think that could actually be an X factor for the Leafs because he could be a real difference maker.
1: Hmm. Well, I sure hope he'll be letting in all the goals when they play that. Uh, we use that for Kari
0: Lettinen. That doesn't he work did. as well for, for defensemen.
1: I know, but I'll try anyways. Uh, yeah, hopefully he's a turnstile. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I, I like really anybody's better than Bogosian at this point, and I I expect Letton to be uh, better than him. Okay, all right. You know,
0: you know I think yeah? maybe saying saying uh, anyone is better than Bogosian might be a nice transition into the player that proves your point wrong, with the New York Rangers, Jack Johnson, <laughs> must see TV, oh Jack Johnson, my favorite player to watch, Jack Johnson. The Rangers and Islanders were playing. Um, I think it was Thursday night, and the Bruins, no, not the Bruins, the Sabres and Capitals were also on, I had to decide, which game do I want to watch? I thought, hmm, Washington has Chara, and Sabres of Taylor Hall, always fun to watch these new additions. Oh, oh, the Rangers have Jack Johnson, I'm watching that game, and I was not disappointed at all. Under two minutes in, he takes a penalty, Islanders score on the power play, brilliant. Also, and he was, not to mention, he was paired with Tony D'Angelo, all right, Beyond just being uh, the worst asshole you can possibly imagine, he's also terrible defensively. So Jack Johnson makes a bad turnover. Uh, I think it was a little, little later on in the game, which leads to Tony D'Angelo getting walked by Matthew Barzell to make it 4 nothing at that point. So Jack Johnson is was the, uh, a sight to see, a, quite a sight to behold in that game, and I can't wait to watch more of it going forward. I hope. I hope that teams keep on taking the bait on Jack Johnson, the third overall pick pedigree from literally 16 years ago. I hope they keep biting. And I, I just as long as it's not Montreal, I would love to keep watching him.
1: Oh, my goodness. Like, that, that pass uh, that got intercepted, the reason it got blocked was because it hit the lineman. He, like, straight up shot it yeah. right at the lineman. Uh, then Barzal took it. And, like, even on the back check, Johnson looks completely uninterested in, like, trying to take the puck away from Barzal uh when they're scoring. so uh and then he just got played play the fucking turnstile d'angelo that was extremely entertaining but yeah as you said uh this jack johnson dude uh he's just he's so bad um man you're right it is much watch tv because not only that i think he got promoted didn't he like he was on the third pair for that first islanders game and then for the next game i think was he playing in the top four uh okay
0: yeah people people used the word promoted for that they put him with Adam Fox. I really think they were, they were just trying to shelter him by putting him with uh, their best defenseman. Uh, like the Lightning oftentimes would put like Jan Ruda or Zach Bogosian with Victor Hedman. I think that was kind of what they more of what they had in mind. Now, Jack Johnson, you know, he's not too good. Maybe we should put him with a better defenseman than D'Angelo. Maybe we should, we should put him with Adam Fox. I think that was the thought process there. But the better thought process would have been to scratch him. Instead of scratching D'Angelo, which was, by the way, hilarious. They scratched Tony D'Angelo and made me and many other people very happy. But from a from a hockey standpoint, uh, to scratch D'Angelo instead of Jack Johnson is incredibly stupid because Tony D'Angelo is one of the top four defensemen, top five, I guess, probably top four on the Rangers. And even though he's terrible defensively, he scores a lot or uh, generates offense a lot. So he should be in the lineup instead of Jack Johnson. It's amazing. I. Man, I hope they never scratch him. I, can't, I wish the Canadians had the chance to play the Rangers at some point this year, this year, but I guess we got in our fair share of Jack Johnson action against Pittsburgh in the, the qualifying round, so I can't complain too much.
1: Yeah, as you said, he basically handed us the series the way he was playing. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, look, I mean, they scratched DiAngelo, they quote-unquote promoted Johnson, and the next game they come out and win 5 nothing. So, you know? Shocking. Like, like, first of all, hockey is just dumb that way. But, uh hey, maybe that's the answer. Just play Johnson in the top four role. Put him next to your best defenseman. So, uh oh, my goodness. It's just too good. I don't understand. Like, yeah, team should at this point, just, like, look at which side he's playing. And then just focus their entire attack on that side. Uh, because, holy crap, he's bad everywhere. Uh, and Jack Johnson, absolute legend. Absolute legend. And, uh... Yeah, hopefully he plays all 56. Maybe we get to see some playoff action. You never know. You never imagine. know
0: with Jack Johnson. Wait, was Jack Johnson on the Team USA World Cup team in 2016? I kind of feel like he was.
1: I'll look that up. Real
0: because cuz Tortorella was the coach of that team and I remember like he picked a couple blue jackets. If you were like, well, like like Dubinsky. Uh Team USA World Cup 2016 hockey. Uh wow, imagine if he was. Because that Team USA was terrible. And a lot of us are pointing at, at like some weird forward picks like Dubinsky and Ablocator over like Phil Kessel. But that defense, I remember there were some strange cuts on the defensive side. of th- Yep, Jack Johnson was there. That defense, Dustin Bufflin, John Carlson, Eric Johnson, Jack Johnson, Ryan McDonough, Matt Niskanen, and Ryan Suter. Wow, man. That's a blast in the past.
1: We love to see it. Hell yeah, look at those goalies. Jonathan Quick and Corey Schneider. Numbers two and three, on that team, huh? Amazing, just fantastic. No shocker that they lost. All right, with Jack Johnson on there. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. so looking forward to work, uh, seeing him work his magic. Uh, and hmm, where do we go from here? Shall we move to the Flyers? A, and yeah, the work Jack? You? Yeah, want to go ahead? All right. And, uh, yeah, all right. sure. So,
0: uh. Well, is it like a press conference? I had never heard of this reporter. I don't even have his name. What was his name? The reporter? The Voracek I have no idea. Lie. I
1: think his first name was Sam. Okay. Or okay, Mike. It was, some Mike. Rep- it was
0: Mike. I, I thought it was Michael something. Yeah, yeah, yeah Michael Mike. something.
1: Anyways, it doesn't matter. Apparently this
0: guy, uh, I think it might have been after the Flyers lost to the Islanders in the playoffs, printed some sort of article wherever he works. That was like, uh, the Flyers lost, and here's why it's Jake Voracek's fault. Like, straight up, that was the headline. And apparently, you know, sometimes uh, writers will just pick a player for whatever reason that they don't like, and, you know, just shift blame onto them. Like, uh, you know, like Brian Burke tends to do with William Melander, for example. But I think, uh, from what I understand of this Voracek thing, it was it was much more pronounced here. It was just constantly, bad Voracek, bad Voracek, or whatever. And Voracek apparently heard about it, and it had, had enough. Because this guy asked a pretty normal question, I think. I don't even remember what the question was, but it seemed, it didn't seem too out of the ordinary. Voracek was like, "I'm not even going to answer you," and he swore at him, and it made the rounds, and everyone seemed to love it. You know, way, wait to go, Voracek. Even Brian Burke was like, "Yeah, I don't mind a, a a player getting mad, swearing at a a reporter if the reporter, you know, did stuff the player doesn't like, but you got to do it sparingly, and you've got to do it uh only when it's really deserved." And from what I can tell, it was more than earned on the on behalf of this, this scumbag reporter.
1: Yeah, uh, found his name. His name is Mike Sielski. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Voracek calls him a weasel. Um, and the whole thing is kind of jokes. It's pretty entertaining. And you look at the stories that Sielski is, uh, has written over the years, and it really seems like this guy has it out for Jacob Voracek. Um, doesn't seem to like him at all. Uh, and he writes a bunch of, uh, I think I saw like, uh, just basically a whole list of articles where he's like bashing Voracek and yeah, you see where the beef comes from? Like Voracek is not a guy who you expect to come out and like bash the media, uh, and to see him do it, see him target one guy, uh, you gotta imagine it's well-deserved and that he's, uh, you know, quite frustrated with him and you look at the content this guy's put out and, uh, yeah, probably well-deserved. So, uh, you know. Just you know you don't really see it happen, especially in hockey. Are you kidding me? Players lashing out. Yeah. Uh, you just don't see it, and when it does, uh, it makes for some uh, pretty entertaining clips.
0: Yeah, sure. I think my favorite part of the clip was uh, Travis Konechny's reaction next to him. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, because as soon as Voracek said the fir- his first swear word, Konechny, like he I think he was, was he like about to take a sip of water or something, but like he he was like his eyes got super big and he kind of like looked towards the camera like what did I just hear that right? it was it was very funny. I have a lot of I have a lot of Flyers fans on my own, on my Twitter feed who are big fans of like Connectni and Nolan Patrick because you know they kind of just seem like you know lovable goofballs and I can see why, you know, Connectni especially. Uh man, that would have been nice if he fell two more spots to Montreal in the 2015 draft, but but alas.
1: oof anyways. Uh and yeah, and then after the question was over, like you could see like and clearly holding back like a laugh uh like he's, yeah. he's all smiley and then like voracek looks over and flashes a grin over to him too and it's just uh yeah it looks like a lot of fun um anyways uh yeah Coutur- sean couturier speaking of the flyers this time some sadder news uh he's injured uh he's out for like two weeks apparently and mm-hmm. i mean Uh, There's not really much to say. I don't really know why I brought it up. I guess we are just on the Flyers. But uh, he's out for two weeks. Uh, Like that injury, it has to do with like the ribs or the cartilage or something like that. Apparently, it's uh, not a nice injury to have. Like uh, it takes a while to recover. But uh, yeah, the Flyers have looked nice. I stand by my first in the, uh, uh, yeah, I put them first in the, not the Metro, the the East. They look great. They look better than Pittsburgh. Uh, And, you know, hell yeah. Let's go Philly yeah too bad
0: always too bad when any player gets injured, but the bright side at least for me is that now Morgan Frost it looks like he's gonna draw into the lineup get a chance uh he was one of my favorite players on that Canadian world Junior team that he was on a couple years ago, and uh I'm super excited to see him hopefully he does great in the NHL and sticks because I'm a big Morgan Frost fan
1: yeah okay so uh that's my insights okay. hell yeah, so move on move on to a team that we uh never talk about because. Uh, the, the, they're like the epiphany, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the peak of mediocrity.
0: The epitome, I think is what you were the trying epitome,
1: to say. Yes, that's right. Uh, the epitome the of epitome. mediocrity. Um, excuse my vocabulary. Uh, The Minnesota Wild have all of a sudden become somewhat exciting. Thanks to one player. Just one player who's a rookie. Kirill, Kirill how do you pronounce his first name? Kirill? Kirill, Kirill Kaprizov. Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, who is an absolute stud in the first two games. Uh, I think, have they only played two games? Uh, and if they have, they're both together kings. Came came back from down three to one in both of them to win it in extra time. Uh, and yeah, this guy looks legit. It was like him and Romanov were the two guys that they the teams wanted to play in the bubble, with the NHL said no. Uh, and, you know, big hype around them. Both of them have certainly paid off uh, because uh, I think yeah, he scored the overtime winner in the first game. And Really, it's like he's single-handedly bring them into, uh, you know, semi-relevance for the time being.
0: Who could have possibly foreseen that Kirill Kaprizov was going to be so good? Would it, it couldn't possibly have been me drafting him in the thirteenth round of our fantasy league? Not not possibly. What a great steal for me! Look at me go. But honestly, like a lot of people were, you know, t- murmuring about Kaprizov for a while. Like I think he had like a great World Junior, even like. I don't know, 3 4 years ago or something. People are like, "Yeah, watch out when he comes to Minnesota." And look, here it is happening. You know, scored the, the OT winner, I think, in his first game like a three-point night. Uh I think uh, did he get like another assist or score another goal? I think he got a point last night. Anyway, this is probably the most exciting player the Wild have had since like maybe Marion Gaberik or like I guess after Parisian and Suter both signed their big deals in 2012, the fan base would probably have been pretty riled up. But I think this guy's better than Parise. Uh, Super dynamic, super fun to watch, super exciting. And now they're making these comebacks and having these overtime games and they're scoring a lot. It's great. It's great. And Marco Rossi is going to join that team too, probably like next year or maybe the year after at the latest, I think. Uh, Yeah, so look out for the Wild. Look out for the Wild. I don't think we're going to be talking about them as the epiphany, as you would say, of mediocrity for that much longer uh, because they've definitely got some offensive talent on the way.
1: Wow, has anybody ever said, look out for the Wild in the last, like, twenty years? Huh?
0: Dom LeCision has been, has been kind of going crazy on Twitter saying, the Wild are my favorite team. I love the Minnesota Wild because I'm a big Kaprizov fan, of course.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's exciting. Hey, look, the Wild, who knew? Uh, and, like, they're second in their division right now. Uh, and I fully expect you them know, to— you uh, know, the
0: standings matter a lot four days in.
1: Hell yeah. And four games— two games played for basically everybody, you know, you might as well. It's not the count as they say, uh, because, it's not uh, the count. yeah. <laughs> All right. And yeah, I expect them. They're a better team than Arizona and, uh, you know, yeah. who knows? maybe they will be better than St. Louis. And I think you had them in your, did you have them in your, in third place? Uh, I don't
0: remember if I ended up officially switching, putting them up above St. Louis. I think I left them in fourth, but it was, it was pretty close.
1: All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I could absolutely see them contending and, uh, you know, for, uh, Third place in the West. The Honda West, as they say. All right. By the way, uh, so,
0: I think Caprizo was probably my early Calder pick, if I had yeah, to make a guess.
1: Probably deservedly uh, so, really. Like, who else is there? Like, you know, Lafreniere, obviously. Romanov. But, uh, yeah, Caprizo was probably the odds-on favorite Romanoff. heading into the season too, right?
0: I think it was Lafreniere. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. there's I think Shesterkin, especially, you know, being like a full-time starter, he's probably, if he plays pretty well, then he'll probably, you know, get his fair share
1: of votes, but I think Kaprizov is probably the, 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 the guy right now. Yeah, definitely. Alright, so, anything else you want to touch on, in terms of news around the league?
0: Uh, well, did you say 17 Dallas Stars tested positive oh. for
1: COVID? Right, that. Um. Yeah, we talked Not about last week it. how uh, COVID, definitely something to, to monitor, because the uh, league won't be able to avoid it, and yeah, so the stars, I think we, I think we knew the like the news came out that their games were being postponed last last week. Yeah, but uh, we didn't know the number, and it's a fucking big number because uh seven yeah that was the number seventeen Dallas stars tested positive for COVID nineteen, so uh, clearly an outbreak within the locker room, uh and yeah it's a disaster. I mean that's not good at all. You you really hope that these guys can get fully healthy. We really don't know like the long term effects of getting COVID. Uh, and, yeah, you just really wish everybody the best. Hope they recover quickly. And, like, that's 17 players. That's, like, the vast majority of the roster right there. And It's pretty much the full team. Yeah, basically, that's crazy. Like, the full fucking team, basically. And, yeah, obviously, their games have been postponed because, uh, what, they'd have, like, six dudes who are uh, don't have COVID. And there's another team, you know, like, the Jets cl- canceled practice because... I think you mentioned to me earlier, like, it was uh, Tucker Pullman. They're worried about him. He was a close contact for COVID-19. And, you know, yeah. I said it before the season started. This thing's going to be lurking all year. And here it is. On, like, Mm -hmm. day four. You know, like, you got a couple teams, and it's going to impact the schedule. And, you know, it is what it is. Uh, That's what the NHL is doing. They, you know, they're kind of throwing caution to the wind. And, This is what you get.
0: Mm -hmm. It does feel like they're at least being more cautious than the other major four leagues had been in their time, you know, doubt they're not, you know, still making Dallas play just with a bunch of, of extras or whatever. They're actually postponing the games, which some other leagues have been pretty hesitant to do. Uh, So I think they're going to limit the, I don't think this is going to spread to other teams. I hope they, you know, are abundantly cautious with Dallas that's the one that I'm really worried about because they have so many. Um, and I think right now they're scheduled to start their season in five days. I can see that getting pushed back again because 17 is a lot. Winnipeg, though, I'm, very, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how they're handling it because I don't think they even know for sure. that I don't think Tucker Pullman did test positive. I think it was just like a close contact. And he was maybe waiting for test results and they canceled practice just because one player might've been exposed. And that's the kind of caution that you like to see. And that really helps to, to limit the spread throughout uh, throughout the team and throughout the other teams that you play. So very nice to see that before we move on to the quiz. One more, one more thing I kind of want to mention that I think is maybe be a milestone for us because as of January 15th, 2021, which was two days ago, Tim Stuula became the first ever NHL player that's younger than us.
1: Hey. He turned
0: nineteen. He turned nineteen years old actually on the day of his first game, January fifteenth. The day after me, Lafreniere is a little bit older than us. Stuula is the first one younger. So, uh, so there, fun, fun little piece of of information.
1: That's weird. That's a weird fact. Yep. To deal with, like, you know. Yeah, you basically grow up the entire time, and all the fucking NHLs are older than you. 10 years older than you Not and, more. and now we have one who's uh younger than us that is and he scored too yeah he scored look at him go um yeah that's that's <laughs> that's such a weird fact um still haven't completely dealt with it uh, and yeah dude just turned 19 and i've been 19 i, like I
0: still months. have hope i still, still have hope us, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna break in at, at age
1: 45 you just wait <laughs> yeah you never know right uh Best undrafted free agent. Here we go.
0: That's uh. Uh That's me. That's
1: that's All me right. right there. Okay. Quiz time. Oh yeah. Quiz time.
0: The Habs opened their season on uh on Wednesday against Toronto. So the theme of this quiz is Habs season openers. Oh crap. Um. All right. So yeah. here's how it's gonna work. Starting in the 2011-12 season, I'm asking one question about each of the Hab season openers. I'm going to describe the game to you. I'm going to tell you the score and the date and who they were playing. And I'm going to ask you a specific question about the game. Uh, all of the answers to these questions are a player, except the last question is multiple players.
1: Okay. All right, let's do it. All right? Okay. So
0: I this quiz is pretty tough, I think. So I think maybe six on 10 is a good threshold right. for this one.
1: That's pretty reasonable. Your standard okay, pass, here rate 60%. Here we go.
0: October 6, 2011. Habs opened the season with a 2-0 loss to Toronto. Who was in net for the Leafs?
1: 2011. Um, Okay. So, like, I don't remember. Was it? Hmm, Okay, so who could it possibly be? So we're clearly um, beyond the Freddie Anderson years. Uh, Are we still in Veseltoskula season? Like we might, but man. Um Okay. Twenty eleven. It could be James Reimer too. Um no, I think I think we're past Vesatoska. Maybe we just ended. Uh James Reimer seems about right. I I don't know any, but like yeah, it's like it's set pretty concrete in terms of leaf goalies. Like, you know, he went from Toskala. It's so like that kind of weird Reimer season. Yeah, I'm going to go with James Reimer.
0: Correct. It was James Reimer. I think that was his rookie year, actually. Oh, all right. Very nice. Right, nice. January 19th, 2013. Habs opened the season with a 2-1 to loss to Toronto. Who scored the Habs goal?
1: Okay, that is... Oh, boy. All right. So that is... That's a tough one. Um, hmm. Okay, now I just have to guess, like some dude, right? Uh, let's. Who is even on the team back then? Okay, like David Darnay was on the team. Brian Gianta was on the team, I presume. Uh, okay, this is this is a mess. We're talking like seven years back. Eight, hmm. eight years back, that's even worse. Uh, okay, okay. I'm gonna say David Darnay. The answer is Brian
0: Gianta, Oh, No. Oh, that you pain. just
1: missed. Oh,
0: Alright, one for two. Okay, here we go. October one, two thousand thirteen. Habs opened the season with a four to three loss to Toronto. Another loss to Toronto. Every Hab played at least eleven minutes, except one forward who played four seventeen, got into two fights, and got a game misconduct. Who was it?
1: Ooh. That's pretty uh okay all right um so like the guy that comes to mind who would even who would even get into two fights is the question right and you'd have to think like so might like presto's on the team like i'm thinking like maybe shores little rock but i'm pretty sure he was like this is 2013 this is past shores little rock uh who would get into like did when who was our last enforcer? Like I don't think Prest is the kind of guy to get into two fights. Oh, it's George, <laughs> George Paros. George Peros, he had like a brief stint with us. Mm, I don't know if that's the right timeline though. Uh, okay, I will go with. I'm gonna go with Prest.
0: The answer is George Peros. Oh
1: my! Are you kidding? I'm not oh, kidding. Know, All right. Uh, they, they had it's traded rough. for him like that off season, and I
0: think that was his okay. only. Yeah, that must have been his only season with the team. Was 13, 14. So. All right. Uh,
1: okay. Two near misses that we're a... talking about, man. He's not good.
0: Yeah. You're, yeah. You mentioned both of these right answers, but just didn't finalize them. All right. Okay. Here we go. All right. October 8, 2014. Habs opened the season with a 4-3 win over Toronto. Nice.
1: This Lost player the scored
0: the winning goal with under a minute left in regulation.
1: Okay, so now yet again, we're just uh, you know completely guessing. And who could it have been? This is more recent. Question. Uh, it could have been a whole bunch of people. It could have been, Gal- it could have been Galchenyuk. That'd be pretty spicy. Uh, could have been Dernier. Okay, so first of all, the fact that you're asking me this question, I have to assume that it's someone like who. Like who's pretty well known, I would assume. Um, okay, Max Pacioretty. Ooh, that's a good one. Max Pacioretty could have been it. Okay, yeah, it's a pretty. He scored a bunch of goals. I'm gonna go with Max Pacioretty. The answer is
0: Thomas Placanitz. So you are on the right track with well-known oh. player, but just picked the wrong one. Okay,
1: all right. This this was impossible. How do you expect me to remember the game-winning goal scorer?
0: Honestly, awesome. I thought 24. you would get Taros. What's that? I thought you'd remember Peros. I thought you would ah. get George Peros.
1: And I did remember him? him for a second. Jesus. Yeah, you did. All right. All right. One for four. One for four. All Is right. He miserable. Here,
0: I I think I think you. there's a decent chance you'll get this one. All right. October 7th, 2015. Habs opened the season with a 3-1 to one win over Toronto. Who hmm. was wearing number 15 for Montreal? Uh, okay. Or maybe you won't no. get this, actually. I don't know. It's a little...
1: I don't know. We'll number see. 15 that's uh all right who was wearing number 15 and 20 is it 2015 yeah oh my goodness this is impossible what are you talking about you expect me to get this yeah uh, i guess
0: i guess it's kind of tricky also oopsie is is this a well-known dude i
1: don't think so
0: uh right? well he played in the nhl so kind of well known <laughs>
1: Okay. Uh, Derne is is almost 15. I think it were fifty one for his career in Montreal. Um, Jajenic was twenty seven. I think we're past at this time. Fifteen is a very forward number, so I'm assuming it's a forward. Uh, like and Plycan- Planets. Do I get do I get bone Do I get a half mark? If I pick the guy who was a number on like one under fifteen. Um, no, you don't. No, okay. Gallagher was eleven. Like, who the hell is on this team? This team was terrible. I'll give you a hand. Yeah, I'll okay. give you a hand. This Please. was kind
0: of tricky. All right. He played on the third line with Dale Weiss and David D'Arnais.
1: Okay. Dale, okay. Sure. Uh, ooh, what did... Oh, man. Lars Eller. What did he... Nah, you were like... You were number in the 70s or 80s. Oh they know he wasn't a low number guy. Um man. Who the hell is he? I have no idea. I have no idea who this is. You All give right. up? I give up.
0: The answer is Thomas Fleischman.
1: Oh my god. Are you are you kidding? You expect me to get Thomas Fleischman? Just to pull that out of my ass? I love Thomas Fleischman. he was
0: fun. And we think of him because uh he was part of the Dan O trade. Oh okay. we also have the Romanov pick.
1: Right. So that's, that's that's his real legacy. Not wearing number fifteen, but handing us Sorry. those two dudes. But uh, right. okay. Um. Anyway. All right.
0: So you got four wrong in a row. So if you want to meet the sixth threshold, you got to get all the last five answers
1: correct. It's brutal. All right. All
0: right. Let's go. All right. But now now we are approaching the more recent years. So there's yeah, a chance it will start to get a little easier. Oh yeah. Let's go. October thirteenth, two thousand sixteen. Habs opened the season with a four-one win over Buffalo. Nice. With Carey Price injured. This goalie played all 60 minutes for Montreal. Ooh.
1: Okay, we're talking 2016. Yep. Okay, so that's only four years ago. Charlie lingren might have been a rookie, but I'm pretty sure we're like squarely like in the Almontoya age. So I'm gonna go with Almontoya.
0: Correct, Almontoya. Oh, yeah. Way to go.
1: Let's go. Right. I just want to see it.
0: All right, next here we go. October 5th, 2017. The halves opened the season with a three to two shootout win over Buffalo. This player scored the only goal in the shootout.
1: Okay. All right. So uh, it's a tough one. Twenty seventeen. It's another shot in the dark, right? Do I get a hint? At all? Uh, uh, sure. I'll give you a hint. He's still on the team. Oh. Okay. That's pretty good. Um. Okay. So who who could it be? This is twenty seventeen. I I
0: like, now that I think of it, yeah. Oh, man.
1: Oopsie. Let's let's wow, start right picking right off. Let's start picking off the folks. Uh, it could be Gallagher. Ah, yes. So Fleischman's not on the team. I assume Dano is now on the team. So that's fun. Eee. Okay, so it's not back to ready. That's fun. Uh, that's good. All right. Um. Oh, Jonathan Drouin. Right. He was on the team because they just traded him that offseason. And in the trade. Okay. So we have three dudes who, you know, I'm confident would take – I don't think that they would give Dano a, playoff, uh, a shootout shot. So, all right. It's between Druin and Gallagher. You know, I'm going to go with Druin. I'm going to say Jonathan Druin. Correct.
0: It was Jonathan Druin, his snaps debut. All right. No I, more hints because that oh. hint that gave you was way too big. All right. Okay. All right.
1: Fair enough. Okay. Here we October third, two thousand
0: eighteen. The Habs opened the season good. with a three to two overtime loss to Toronto. Aww. Getting two assists, who was the only Hab with a multi point game?
1: Dang, two assists. These are impo- are you seriously expecting me to pick out the one forward or defenseman? But I assume it's a forward. That uh.
0: Okay. Okay. Actually, okay. I remember for this one, it was actually another piece of information I was going to add to the question, but I forgot. So I'll add it now. Okay. Getting two assists in his Habs debut. Who was the only Ooh. Hab with a multi point
1: game? Here we go. That makes it easier. Um Alright. So who could it be? So now we're talking twenty mm, Okay. Could be Max Domi. Could be oh I just yeah, it was that was also the off season we got Jatar. Uh maybe it was someone on defense. I don't remember who's on defense two seasons ago, though. So, like, that's a, that's kind of a problem. Um,
0: but is it, You know, it's probably a forward.
1: It's probably a forward. So, yeah, right. Oh man, I'm on some, I'm on some thin ice right here. I got no room for error. Uh so who? So, in their Habs debut, you said. Yep. Okay. All right. Okay, so Domi or Tatar, they both had good seasons coming in in the first year. Domi had more points though. He had 70. Okay, I'm going to go Max Domi. Correct. It's Max Three. Domi. Oh, All
0: right. Three in a row. All okay, right. I'm on a go. hot streak. Here we go.
1: All
0: right, this one's okay. a little tough. This is a little tough. This oh, last no.
1: Question. And it's just for the last season, right? just last season.
0: October 3rd, Sheesh. 2019. The Habs opened the season with a 4-3 shootout loss to Carolina. This player oh, scored the only goal in the shootout.
1: Really? You're giving me this question again?
0: Yes. And I'm assuming
1: I don't get a hint? No hint. No hint. This is outrageous. This is an outrage. I've I've, I've clawed my way back, uh, from like one out of five. I guess you only should have be hit, hit only one out of five. Yeah, maybe, maybe that was the maybe that was a trick. Um, okay, so I get no other information other than they played in the shootout. They like they, they scored in the scored shootout.
0: The goal, yeah, the only goal in the shootout in a four-three Carolina win.
1: Wait. It, does it have to be a half?
0: Well, if Carolina won and there was only okay. one goal in the shootout, right. only goal, the goal in the, the
1: shootout, and it's not, I see somewhere. how it is. Okay, all right. So now I gotta, now I gotta fucking pick a Carolina Hurricane from last season. Precisely. Uh, uh, yes. Okay, all right. So I caught that. That's the first step in this problem. <laughs> um, I, I at least I'm picking from the right team now. That's a good thing uh let's see okay so ah okay i'm gonna go off the top of my head so this is a very recent team i'm gonna say sebastian aho sorry
0: the answer is dougie hamilton
1: oh my and the defenseman is outrageous all okay right. so that's an l right there yep you lose that's all rough.
0: right final question we'll see if you can go five for ten go 50 50 all right january 13th 2021 this was very recent. Oh, yeah the Habs opened the season with a five-four overtime loss to Toronto.
1: Name all seven goal scorers. Oh boy! I sh- you know what I should be getting? I should be getting a point for every person I name. No, you
0: have to get them all, I- and it's one point. And if you get <laughs> less than seven, then it's zero points.
1: I should get a bonus point if I get this question right. No. Um. Okay. Fine. Let's start with the Habs. They have four goals. Two of them by Anderson. One of them by Suzuki. And yes, we talked about the Tatar goal from Romanov. So that's that's the that's the four halves goals right there. He said there were seven goal scorers. Um, so Nealander scored two. So now now we're talking about dudes on the Leafs who scored one goal. And there are three people left. Okay. Okay, so we're we're cursing Jimmy VC's name because he scored one. So now that's two. So, all right. So none of Marner, Matthews, Thornton scored. Okay, this isn't this is as funky. I don't remember. Maybe it was the defense. Um, but Goshen didn't score. Uh, I think, I think, oof. did Riley score? Uh, I thought he scored in overtime. He scored the winner, right? Okay. So yeah, Morgan Riley scored one. Oh, and John Tavares scored one. Uh, he, he tied the game up uh, to make yep. it 3-3. Okay, that's it. That's awesome my answer.
0: Way to go. Good work.
1: All right. It sure helps when the game happened four days ago instead of eight years ago. Yeah, it sure. And, does I must say. Uh-huh.
0: A year from today, I'm going to quiz you on that exact game again. You're going to have to remember all seven goal scorers.
1: Okay. I'll I'll write it down. I'll put it into my calendar. And I'll study right. right before the episode. Perfect. There we go. All right. Okay. So-
0: that's it. That's it for uh, the first episode of the regular season of this is our, our second regular season uh, with fusion and hockey podcast only, even though oh, yeah. we've been doing it for like about uh, one and a third years. Uh, but that is the end of this week's episode of fusion and hockey podcast. Uh, how many times did the Habs play this week? I think, I think we're going to have four games to talk about because there's a back-to-back Ooh. in Vancouver in the middle of the week. So we will have a loaded episode with plenty of ice hockey to discuss. A week from today. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. You can follow us on Instagram at Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. Our our handles are in the description. You can tell everyone that you know about our podcast and force them to listen to it against their will. Uh, goodbye, everyone. See you next week.